Welcome to the Win the 16 podcast presented by Pygon One Consulting. This is your go-to podcast on optimizing your day. The Win the 16 podcast features discussions on leadership and coaching, personal and professional development, as well as discussions on the modern work culture and engaging employees in hybrid and remote work environments. Your hosts are Dave Pygon, president of Pygon One Consulting, and his brother, Dr. Bud Pygon, anesthesiologist at the University of Illinois at Chicago. Thank you for listening. Welcome to Win the 16 podcast, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, as always, we need to thank Carrie and the production team for the podcast. Thanks for all your work. We appreciate you. Today, Dr. Bud Pygon will not be on the podcast with me. Instead, we have an amazing guest. It's our first time that we are having a lawyer and attorney on the podcast. So I am excited to have Lindsay Page Marcus. She's a fellow author, so we are definitely going to have to jump into talking about writing a book. And she's going to share with us uh, her book a little bit. It's called A Gift for the Future. So I think it's very interesting. Uh, what I've learned about it already, I found it awesome. So she's going to share that. I was excited to get Lindsay on. Her background is amazing. Um, the only thing we really have in common was I was pre-law, and I'm going to share that funny story later on, why that didn't come to fruition to actually being a lawyer later on. So Lindsay, I didn't even tell you that during our pregame talk. Um, but a couple of things before I ask Lindsay to speak and share her background, because I know you all want to hear it is, couple of really cool things in her background. Notable Women in Law, 2020-2022 by Crane Chicago Business in Chicago. That's a really big deal here in the Chicagoland area. Top 50 Women in Law, the Chicago Daily Law Bulletin, another big thing here. So just some real big accomplishments. And I'm not her PR person, but those are some real big things that jumped out at me right off the bat. As soon as I started reading this, I'm like, this is a no-brainer to have her on and talk about some different things. So, Lindsay, could you please share with everybody some of your background? I think it'd be really helpful and informative everybody. So, Lindsay, welcome to the broadcast. Thank you for having me, Dave. Um, so, I have a background in business and finance pre-law, and then since law school, I've focused my career in the exciting world of death and taxes for about 18 years. Um, I'm an attorney, a shareholder with the law firm of Chuhak and Texan in Chicago, Illinois. I'm licensed in Illinois, New York, and Florida, but have a national practice. And um, at our firm, we have about 65 attorneys. Of the 65, there are about 25 of us who do trusts and estates work, and I have the privilege of heading up that practice group. Got it. Well, thank you for sharing. I always like to ask this. Your background up to today, so it's amazing, it's great, congratulations, kudos to you. If you had one teachable moment for everybody out there, what might it be as you were going through your journey and being so now so accomplished? Any tip you'd give for everybody, and it doesn't, it's for just anyone to be successful, what would that be, Lindsay? I think it'd be great to hear right off the bat. I think it's that old adage that your failures are not necessarily failures, but they're opportunities for you to learn how to chart a different course, problem solve in a new way, think in new and different ways. It's it's those setbacks oftentimes that allow us to move forward 
in new and exciting ways? Uh, you know what? I've, I've really become big on that. I wish I was bigger on that and more proactive with teams I've led over the years and people, Lindsay, with that concept. I read an article recently on this, and I had no idea you were going to say that. I didn't even tell you I was going to ask you that question. And some people now are forcing, during interviews, what I'm forcing is they're forcing people to answer that. Tell me about a time you failed, and they're telling them, don't try to turn this into a positive. I just want to learn your ability to fail because we think you're going to have to do that at this organization. So take your time. I really loved how the article articulated that. And I guess what I'd like to ask you is how do we coach people? I do it all the time as Pygon One Consulting. Do you have any recommendations? Because it's so much easier said than done to get comfortable with that. Um, I'm thinking. I think we need to all as as a culture be more accepting of those failures and of those setbacks. Um, I think when you look at studies that you know from Harvard Business School and through journals across the world, um, there is documented evidence to prove how important some of those failures could be. But I think oftentimes as a society, we're so prone to just celebrate the successes. And especially with social media, we're very quick to point fingers when someone's had a setback. We need to recognize that sometimes those setbacks and oftentimes they're critical for learning and growth for the individual, you know, and whatever area they're working in. I I, I love that. And I, I really believe we have to help the leaders of organizations to support failure. So when it happens, the questions we ask our people are, what did you learn? Not, why did that happen? And get people on the defensive. I love that you said that. Um, yeah. Would you like to talk about estate planning first, or should we dive into your book, A Gift for the Future? I'll let you pick. Um, why don't we talk about the book? Because I oh, think the book talks about estate planning and my book. Ah, Lynn, first time author, correct? Yes. Well, first time author in this space, I did co-author some books with my mother in the field of neuroscience, pre-law, but it's a whole other topic for another podcast. How did you hold that out on me? Like, <laughs> how did that come up? You're throwing neuroscience you at me. Dave, you, you, won't, you won't invite me back. Oh my goodness, I got a neuroscience specialist on here. I need to hook you up with my brother and his wife. They're both doctors in their different ways. So that's amazing. Um, I love having authors on. I love having authors on um, because I'm I'm a first time author with Win the 16 and I've just begun my journey. Like I learned so much. I'm nowhere near in the class of these other people. Last week we had a gentleman from Harvard's own six books, which is amazing. So I need to ask question one. Um, why? Why did we why did you want to write another book on your own? What was the inspiration? What drove you? Because it, everyone, I think, knows writing a book is hard. It's probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. And looking back, had I known it was going to be that challenging, I can't say I would have signed up for the challenge. Amen. Um, but Amen. I'm thrilled that I did. Yes. 
when I first started practicing, my parents, both both doctors by training, um, my mother's a PhD, my father is a retired surgeon. Um, when they asked me to review their personal estate plan, it was readily apparent that there was a lot missing. And I knew immediately that my parents cared about providing for their family and loved ones, and they are proactive planners. And in that moment, I recognized that if people like my parents could possibly not have the right estate plan in place, it could happen to anyone. And it was really just a function of education. So from that point on, and this was even before I got the bar results back from the Illinois bar that I had passed, but so right when I had started practicing, I had that epiphany, that awareness, and I tried to make it my mission to educate the community and the world on estate planning. Like so many other complex topics, there's a large breadth of resources available that are very simplistic. And then there's this whole other sea of articles and publications that is incredibly complex. But there isn't a lot in between. And in the course of my practice, I had written a lot of articles, short, brief pieces um, to get the word out and to help educate the public on death and taxes and on the importance of estate planning. And many of my educated clients came back to me and they said, well, I want to read more. Do you have a book that you would recommend? And I didn't have I couldn't find one. So finally, I decided, let me create one for my clients, for the public, and that would be my contribution to the community. And what you did, too, I hope I can say this. Uh, if I can't, tell me to be quiet. And that is, you made it, for the average person, this is somewhat technical, even the simple stuff. You, though, being an expert in this, what I think I, I want to say loud and clear to everyone listening is you made it this complexity about as simple as you could make it so the average person could understand some of these things. I tried. I really. Yeah. So well, because you. some of the stuff you can't, it is what it is. Yeah. But I think what you did, and I don't even want to say dummy down because it's that that was almost, a, but you made it where it's palatable for the average person. So they're not overwhelmed. They have to think when they're reading but they will understand this and it will help them. Like it will help them as I get, is my point. Yeah, that was my goal. And you know, Good job. You saw, thank you. As you saw in the book, first I used Brad Pitt as my fictional husband to explain marital <laughs> tax planning. Then yep. we switched to the story of Jack and Diane from the John Mellencamp song. Um, and we follow them on their loves, through their love story in terms of getting married, having children, and addressing some of these topics in my space, should they have a prenup, guardianship for their children, trusts for estate planning purposes, gifting, philanthropic endeavors, and the list goes on and on. It, and can you tell our listeners why you tied in those famous people into telling the story? I tried to make it more relatable. And I wanted to have a, a work out there that um, it, I really didn't want the reader to fall asleep. <laughs> I wanted them to say somewhat engaged. Yep. And I think oftentimes when we're talking about someone we can all relate to who's someone other than ourselves, 
it be it makes these difficult conversations a bit less emotional and a bit more palatable to stick with and follow and digest. And I knew that's why you did it. I just didn't want to say it because I wanted it to come from you. What you did, though, is brilliant. And it's kind of why I've been into fables lately from a reading perspective is because I can picture the character and the concept. And it's easier for me to remember. So when you talked about Brad Pitt, it was easier for me to connect the two and for me, now, do I remember everything? No, of course not. But the things that I wanted to remember or jumped out of interest in me, I do remember. And that was very helpful. And I wanted you to dive into that for people because this is not for um, just somebody who's in taxes or something. This is for the average person out there to read. So this is for everybody, right? I mean, yeah. please tell everyone who the that audience is. That was my is. goal. That was yeah. my Oh, please, no, go ahead, Lindsay. I was just excited. Yeah, no, my goal was to make, to produce a, a book um, that would act, that could act as a guide for anyone interested in learning about estate planning. Um, I feel that the tax professionals have more than enough materials at their disposal, and they know how to follow some of those complex periodicals we were talking about. Um, but I have gotten extraordinary feedback from strategic partners in tax, in wealth management, in insurance, talking about using the book as a training resource for a lot of their team, which has also been very rewarding. Yes, I, I bet. It's interesting and doing a little bit of preparation for this. This is more on the tax and regulation side, but I thought I'd share this because I thought this was mind blowing personally. And that was how much the federal tax code and regulations has steadily grown over the last 16 years. You might know this, but I didn't. In 1955, the two documents were 1.4 million words in length. Since then, they have grown at a pace of 144,000 words a year. I mean, think about that. How... How can anybody put their arms around that unless they just live and breathe and sleep the federal tax code and regulation? So I know that it's not exactly down your path, but I was blown away when I read that. I'm like, you know, as soon as Lindsay brings up tax or something, I'm throwing that in there. Sure. Well, and I think another challenge we have is that the rate of change is not slowing down. If anything, Ooh. we're seeing it increase. Um, and it becomes a maze. And you know what I think of it is, do you ever go, Lindsay, to a restaurant and the menu's too big? Yeah. Right? You, you know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, the Cheesecake Factory is borderline too big. Uh, but sometimes there's just too much and they don't ever take anything out. Well, I mean, I don't know that unequivocally, but most of the time, a lot of these regulations, they just keep adding on not necessarily, or they're, they reframe and modify them, but they aren't taking stuff out and it's just getting so big. And um, so I just want to bring that up. Could you please define estate planning? I know it's basic, but I think everyone needs to know sure. how you define estate planning, please. So, and I think this is a great question for listeners to understand because a lot of clients, including educated professionals, will come to me and ask me questions. An estate planner 
by trade is typically a licensed attorney who works with individuals and families to help them get what we commonly characterize as estate planning documents in place, wills, trusts, powers of attorney, more complex documents like that. But we don't advise on financial planning. We don't advise on what type of insurance to purchase. So I'm not a licensed insurance broker. I am not a financial planner, wealth advisor. In an ideal world, you have an attorney charting the way with the estate planning documents, who's a part of your advisory team, collaborating with your financial advisor or wealth manager, collaborating with your CPA, your insurance broker, to make certain that all of these different tools you have work together to provide for your family, not only during your lifetime, but upon death, and that the grounds are covered in the event of incapacity. Thank you so much. I thought it was crystal clear before we dive into the book, uh, A Gift for the Future, which is written by my bestest new friend here, Lindsay Page Marcus, who's on our podcast today, that you define that for everybody so they understand that. So tell us about the book some more. Um, what else about the book would you like to share? So um, as, as you mentioned, the goal was to make it palatable and digestible for anyone. I didn't write for CPAs or tax professionals, but rather for the everyday individual. Um, you'll notice if you pulled up a preview of the book on Amazon, that the font is purposefully a little larger because oftentimes this is a heavy thing to digest. Although I do my best to make the tax conversations understandable, for many individuals when we're talking about taxes and when we're talking about death, to not so exciting topics of conversation, our, our rigidity starts to increase, you know, in terms of our ability or our anxiety perhaps increases, which impacts our ability to take in the information. So I wanted to make it easy on the visual system and comfortable for the reader. There are diagrams, there are examples. Um, and as I mentioned before, we look at the love story of Jack and Diane how they come together as a, as a married unit, what their estate plan looks like as their romance and lives progress to the point where they, de they determine that they are no longer the appropriate partners for one another, they get divorced, and then Diane finds love again. So how, do the estate plan, how does the estate plan change over time as these different life events happen? Yeah, that's such a great John Cougar Mellencamp. Um, I grew up with him. I always enjoyed his music, so I love that one. Um, I usually do this at the end, but I think this is critical. Um, well, first of all, where can you get the book at? Sure. It's available on Amazon. Um, okay. Printed on demand, and I hope everyone enjoys it. Yeah. Um, two, if anybody is going through the book or even now just listening, it's it's spurred some thoughts and questions. Where can they reach you, Lindsay? 
Sure. So um, on, through my, I have a business website, lindsaymarcus.com. I have another called A Gift for the Future, or my business email address is lmarcus, M-A-R-K-U-S, at chuhawkchuhak.com. That's lmarcus, M-A-R-K-U-S, at chuhawkchuhak.com. Awesome. I just want to say, because sometimes people wait to the very end, and there are people who might be chopping at the bit already, like, I'm just going to buy it right now, talking. So I want to make sure they had that ability. Plus two, if questions come up, I think that'd be great for them to reach out to you. I don't know if in the book it has your website or somewhere in there as well. It does. Oh, great. Yep. Awesome. Uh, I'm sure your publisher would not have allowed you to not do that. Uh, so that's great. Because I think it's great. If they're reading through this, is I, I mean, the way I'm picturing this, tell me if I'm wrong. I know you're a very successful attorney. But my my vision is, is people reading A Gift for the Future by Lindsay Page Marcus. And that's Marcus with a K, M-A-R-K-U-S. So I'm glad you said it, but I'm going to say it again because I don't think that's intuitive to the average person. Um, I think as they're reading, you would be a great person to read out if they get to an area where they either want clarity or they just have a question based on your thoughts. You'd be a perfect person to uh answer them and, and start a dialogue with them. Correct? Absolutely. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Okay. All right. I'm glad we're aligned on that one. All right. We know how important this is, we think. So why the heck aren't people doing it? What is the real reason people are not doing estate planning until it's kind of late? Well, that's the irony um, in terms of our two books. I think it comes down to winning the 16. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're going to make me cry here. You're going to make me cry on the podcast first time together. Thank you for mentioning Win the 16. Go ahead. Um, no, but it's true. At the, the, the romantic in me and the optimist in me likes to believe that planning for your family and loved ones and the community as a whole, if you want to leave a legacy um, from a charitable perspective, that that is at the top of anyone's to-do list, or that's a goal, a mission, you know, part of an individual's mission plan. In reality, though, life happens, things happen. You get a toothache, um, the deadlines change for work, and I think so much of it goes back to a lot of what you outlined in your book in terms of discipline, time management, and navigating things as unforeseen challenges and obstacles come up. I also think that we think we have time and it's my hope that that's the case for you, for myself, for all of our listeners. Right. But in, the, in reality, I tell clients all the time, if I knew when any of us were gonna die or become disabled, I'd say, let's hold off. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> let's spend that sure. modest amount um, that we were budgeting to do the estate plan, put that in the markets with the benefit of compounded interest, that'll grow exponentially. And we'll get together 18 to 24 months before this incident is set to occur. But at the end of the day, we don't know when that might happen. And yeah. if we fail to properly plan all of this other work that we've focused on in terms of growing our nest egg and providing for our family can be for naught if 
50% of every dollar over a certain amount goes to the government, to the federal and state government. Or if the estate was in such disarray that loved ones needed to spend insane amounts towards legal fees and taxes in order to settle the estate. That's not the kind of legacy that anyone wants to leave. And estate planning helps to create order and structure so that your family can honor your legacy in the way that you want to. The time we've spent together, what you've done for this for me personally is you make it more interesting than I think it is. Thank That's you. <laughs> no, you do. You, your explanation simple. And you, again, I don't want to be disrespectful, but you dummy it down and make it to the point where it's palatable, it's listenable, I understand, and I get it. Right. And I don't have a law background. So that's one. And I really mean that. You make it where it's like, it's not boring. Right? It's not like I'm sitting here with my tax account. I'm like, okay, that's a little boring. Um, and my guy, if he's listening right now, is going to be so mad at me. You're not boring. I love you. You know that. Um, the other thing is this as a motivator for people on this subject, please jump in, Lindsay, if I'm wrong on this one or add on to it. I believe the motivator for people on this is twofold. As parents, I've got three kids, everyone knows who listens, they're all out of college, um, and my wife. What would sicken me is if I became a burden to them later in life. And if I pass and I'm a burden in that they're cleaning up all my mess and they're getting penalized with money that even if I left them some money and they're taking that to use for it, it I'm going to be mad because they're maybe spending too much money that could have been in their pockets or the grandkids' pockets or anybody or donating, whatever it might be. That would sicken me. So those are my motivators to get my house clean is I don't want to be a burden and I don't want to waste money that they could be using for more productive things. And you would say? You've hit the nail on the head. Um, I think one of the most challenging things I do in my practice is, unfortunately, despite my best efforts, I have not had the opportunity just yet to reach everyone. And there are countless families that come to me while they're mourning the loss of a loved one. And to be going through that mourning process and dealing with that, to also have to deal with the administrative hassles, the costs, the tax implications, it's, it's too much. Um, and even in instances where individuals will say to me, my spouse will get more than enough or the kids will get more than enough, you know, I then turn around and say to them, okay, well, do you want to go into the attorneys and the government, or do you want to identify a charitable organization and leave a legacy there? And yep. I think all roads lead back to making estate planning a priority. Yeah, uh, well said. I think, well said. What is the most important item for business owners to think about when they're looking into this? I think as business owners, one of the biggest assets of the family business needs to be addressed. Sometimes there are family members that want to step into the into the business, and there are specific individuals in the family that are already active in the business to think about what would be an equitable way 
and what does the individual client feel what what their wishes are because equitable to John might be very different from how Sally might view equitable for their family members. But thinking about who should get what and to the extent that the business will create an estate tax liability. So that's a tax that's assessed upon the individual's death. Does the family have other liquid resources to cover that tax liability? Or do we need to do some planning to provide you know, an influx of cash flow at the time of the individual's death to cover it? And oftentimes when we sit back and identify an opportunity for tax planning over, you know, that there's an estate tax liability, if we implement planning, we can minimize, we're going to always minimize the estate tax and sometimes completely avoid it. Amen. That's a great call. Um, how about if you're not a business owner, um, just regular person, whatever their job is, um, what about for them? I think there's this misnomer in in society and in the press that trusts in particular are for the rich and famous. They're not just for the Paris Hiltons of the world. Yeah. They're for anyone and everyone with some assets that they want to leave in an organized fashion to their loved ones. The problem we run into with just having a will is that it does not allow us to necessarily leverage tax planning opportunities, avoid the probate process, which is the judicial process of administering an estate when someone dies, nor does it necessarily layer in asset protection or creditor protection for beneficiaries. So if tax planning, avoiding the courts, and providing protection for beneficiaries is important to you, everyone should at least have a conversation with an estate planning attorney to see if a revocable living trust is necessary and appropriate. Yeah, I learned the difference some years back between the will and the trust. That was a big one. Um, are there a couple laws, thoughts that you'd like to share with everybody that they should know? And maybe it's not, but is there one or two common or things that come up that people might be able to throw in the back of their brains today? Sure. So a, a hot topic right now in the tax planning space of estate planning really relates to the fact that under the Trump administration, the amount you could pass estate tax-free that we call the estate tax exemption was doubled. So it used to be $5 million per decedent, person who died, or $10 million for a married couple. He doubled the exemption, so it became $10 million, and it's been adjusted for inflation annually. So this year, in 2023, the exemption or tax-free amount I could pass at the federal level is just under 13 million at 12.92 million. That's scheduled to drop in half though in 2026. So with inflation adjustments, it's probably gonna be about $7 million. Okay. And it's not that I think listeners 
with a lot of assets and taxable gross estates should plan on dying before 2026. But rather, the law says either I can die and pass $12.92 million tax-free this year, or I can gift that amount. So oftentimes, when we're working with successful business owners, we'll look to create a long-term plan to gift that amount before it disappears. This use-it-or-lose-it mentality. Okay. There are people out there listening that might think this. Please walk them through this. They might be saying, oh, I'm not even going to have a million dollars when I pass. Why should I get a trust then if there's this tax exemption? And you would say? I would say that regardless, although the threshold to avoid taxes can be high at the federal level, it's always changing. And depending on your state of residence, there could be estate tax implications in your state. Oregon, for example, it's just a million dollars. Illinois, it's four million. Um, New York, it's about 6.5 million. So it's all over the board. But although the threshold to avoid the estate tax liability can be very high, the threshold to avoid the court system of probate is very low. In Illinois, for example, it's $100,000. In Florida, it's $75,000. In other states across the country, it's as low as $25,000. Wow. Can you explain this to everybody? I think you need to share this with them. If you, if you So let's take Illinois as an example. So <laughs> if the tax exemptions in Illinois is $4 million, why does probate come into play then if the tax exemption is $4 million? So there are two issues we're addressing. On the tax planning side, that's where the estate tax is assessed. The court system and the legal process, though, in terms of how assets pass at death, is governed by a different set of laws. Um, And certain assets can automatically circumvent the court process of probate by joint ownership, by transfer on death instruments, by payable on death designation, beneficiary designation. But time and again, when I'm sitting down with clients, those little pieces often act as just band-aids to circumvent probate and don't address the issue on a holistic perspective in terms of some of the other what-ifs or looking at everything in its totality. So the recommendation is, I think you said it earlier, people should have a conversation and at that point make the best decision for But they at least not to be a burden potentially in the future and to make it smoothest, simplest process potentially for their loved ones is make a phone call. Absolutely. Call somebody like Lindsay Page Marcus. Um, you were amazing today. Time always flies by. I told you it was going to be, I told you we could probably go on forever. Um, before we sign off today, Lindsay Page, Marcus, anything you'd like to share in closing with our wonderful listeners today? I think just as you outline in your book, Win the 16, this is something that listeners need to prioritize and they need to figure out a way to make this a priority for their family and loved ones. 
And it shouldn't be a painful process. In contrast, oftentimes it can be incredibly empowering to know that you have order and structure to provide for your loved ones. You know what? I don't know if this is ridiculous, but I'm going to throw it out at you. We just had a discussion at a friend's place, a bunch of people. The kids were there, too. All the kids were all the professionals working. And we talked about the giving and the feeling we get by cooking and feeding the kids, having them over and providing. That's really what this is. Yeah. Except we're not giving food. We're giving them a solution to a potential problem that could hit them down the line. We don't know when. You're absolutely right. Am I wrong? Is that crazy? Am I off balance on that one? No, I think it's true. It's a gift that we're giving. A gift for the future. Hence, exactly. Thank you. You're so smart. You beat me to it. A gift for the future by Lindsay Page Marcus is available on Amazon. If you have any questions, she said it, not me. You can reach out to her. Uh, It's in the book. If you have questions as you're going through it, she's a really nice person and a nice lady. She makes it easier. Feel free. Um, Lindsay, thank you for being great today. Thank you for all of us learning from you and your expertise. Uh, And kudos again on all your accomplishments. You were humble. I had about another four that I thought you'd mention, but kudos. Um, Everyone out there, thank you for listening to Win the 16 podcast. We appreciate you. Thank you for those of you that have purchased the book. It's humbling when anybody reads the book. And uh, to everyone, until our next podcast, win your 16. And thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Win the 16 podcast presented by Pygon One. Please follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and all major podcast formats. Episodes will be released every other Wednesday at 7 a.m. Central Time. Thank you and go win the 16th.